Hello, everyone, and welcome back to KPMG in Canada's State of Crypto Assets podcast series. We are back with a very special episode focused on NFTs, a recent trend taking the crypto community by storm. For today's episode, I am very excited to welcome back Kareem Sadek, Kunal Basin, Ken Vegas, as well as introduce you to a longtime listener, first time caller, Khan Farahani. So first and foremost, welcome gents. It is a pleasure to be back in the studio with you today. Now, further to our announcement of the World of Women NFT acquisition, which is aligned with KPMG's values of supporting International Women's Day and women in crypto, this episode is near and dear to all of our hearts. So let's just jump right into it. Kareem, as our resident podcast veteran, I'm going to come to you to kick off as we usually do. NFTs seem to be positively everywhere these days. Can you talk a little bit about what a non-fungible token is and why you chose to buy the World of Women NFT? Absolutely. And uh, I am so glad to be back with you again on this podcast. So so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do the flip side. So I'll start off with why the World of Women NFT. And I, I think you touched on it a little bit, Adam, in your intro, just in terms of the world of women NFT itself. I think it's continuing from what KPMG in Canada, what we're doing, supporting the ecosystem and the crypto uh, crypto assets ecosystem. It's also aligning with something that that we we hold very close to our hearts in terms of, in general, women in crypto, of course, but women in tech, I think, more broadly. And I think when we looked at the world of women and our values as KPMG Canada, it just aligned very well. Like we look at the community of World of Women and what they stand by and what they, in terms of diversity, equality for women across the board. And I think that aligns really, really well with what we're doing. And quite frankly, I think just from an NFT standpoint, this is just part of a lot of the areas that we're thinking of in terms of continuing to support the ecosystem, but also just being innovative in the way that we interact with the ecosystem as, as our crypto assets uh, team here in Canada. So that's really why the world of women. Um, in terms of non-fungible tokens, so non-fungible, just essentially something unique, but non-fungible token, let me take a crack at it. So it's a unique digital certificate that is assigned to any object. Think of it, whether it be real world or digital. And it's really that non-fungible non token is recorded on the blockchain ledger and it keeps track of data in real time. So providing, essentially providing the buyer with that proof of ownership. And that's that's sort of a, a big key in the NFTs. But maybe I'll, I'll, I'll look at it from the opposite side and I'm going to try to give an example and see if that makes it a little bit easier. So what's um, what's fungible referring to? So when we say fungible, that really refers to how interchangeable an object is, right? So for example, I'll give a simple example. Think of a $1 bill or cash. That's really, I mean, essentially it's highly fungible because it, it, it really doesn't matter which one I use or to buy something. They really just carry the same value in general. But think of this for a second. However, if I can, if I come across a particular one, $1 bill with sort of a, a unique trait, I don't know, maybe an interesting serial number or something or something else, someone else might be willing to pay a lot of money for that $1 bill because of that unique feature. Hence, it's therefore becoming less fungible because of that quirk. So that, that's essentially the non-fungible, what non-fungible token is and a sort of the comparison to fungible. And, and to be honest with you, what, what really, really excites me in the NFT space, we hear a lot of the variation of it and how it continues to evolve. So we hear, of course, about the arts and the collectibles, what it's being used in the sort of the, the media realm, music and all of that. But I sincerely, I think that the 
cool thing about this podcast is how we're going to look at the application of it even today, but also in the near future. So I'm, I'm very keen, maybe Ken and Khan, you can just tell us a little bit more and delve a little bit deeper in terms of some of those applications and the types of NFTs that we see today. Yeah, I can kick things off. Um, there's been a lot going on in the NFT space. And in 2021, it was a huge year for NFTs. This was led by, I think, profile picture or PFP collections that became extremely popular alongside gener generative art and various forms of collectibles. At the core of a successful NFT project is the community. And I have to commend the NFT community for their passion and dedication to some of these projects. The initiative... The initial, sorry, the initial wave of NFTs is exciting, but I believe the underlying technology has many other general applications that will lead to greater adoption. As Kree mentioned, NFTs can be used as a means of proving ownership over physical or digital goods. And in traditional organizations, NFTs can be used to complement existing recognition and awards programs or as a way to issue and authenticate credentials such as a CPA or university degree. Khan, what have you been seeing? So let's talk about some of the types of NFTs that we see in the market today. Currently, we see two major categories, the first being art and collectibles, and the second being gaming. So let's take a look at the art space first. In terms of volume, three collectives dominate the market, that being Board 8 Yacht Club, CryptoPunks, and Artblocks. The first two are limited edition profile picture collectives, each consisting of 10,000 unique NFTs. And they have unique features as well. So for example, if you own a board ape, the token itself doubles as a membership for access to an exclusive social club. Interestingly, CryptoPunks could initially be claimed for free by anyone with an Ethereum wallet, but all 10,000 were quite quickly claimed. So now they have to be purchased from secondary markets. On the other hand, Artblocks is a programmable art platform. It uses an algorithm to randomly generate digital content, the output of which could be a static image, a 3D model, or an interactive experience. Now, when it comes to collectibles, sports fans have really pushed two platforms into the spotlight. The first is one that tokenizes basketball milestones and viral highlights into officially licensed NFTs. And these NFTs are categorized by scarcity, starting from very common ones where you can have over 50,000 to quite rare ones and very exclusive ones with fewer than 99. They also have thematic collections, which might be a tribute to, for example, dunks or showcasing upcoming rookies. The second is a global fantasy soccer game that sees players collect cards of athletes as NFTs and create virtual teams to compete or trade. They can build a team of five cards to participate in what are known as weekly tournaments, in which scores are obtained according to the actual real-life performance of athletes. And those who pick the best lineups earn rewards by way of a built-in dynamic reward system. And once again, these NFTs are categorized by scarcity. For example, every season, there's a maximum number of cards minted for each player, and they're distributed as rare, super rare, or unique cards. We also see that other gaming NFTs have been capturing market share recently. Axie Infinity is a popular example. Players of this blockchain game collect creatures called Axies as pets, which are represented by NFTs. The universe has a virtual economy where players own and trade Axies alongside other resources they earn, which could be earned through gameplay or contributions to the ecosystem. Overall, we observe that gaming NFTs tend to show a very high number of secondary transactions relative to art and collectibles. And the main reason is because they carry in-game utility and are much more actively used.
Yeah, thanks, guys. Honestly, just great insights. But as I said, I mean, like such great use cases. But I, I always say just the potential in this space is incredible. Like I'm even looking at things like once we start seeing more use cases of NFTs in the metaverse so that you create that more of an ecosystem or, or social ecosystem within the metaverse with the adaption, uh, sorry, adoption with NFT. So it's great to see that. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll shift gears a little bit. So, so based on what we've all seen throughout 2021, the explosion of all of these NFTs and everything else, what do you think, guys? What does the overview of the market really look like? Green, you nailed it. 2021 was an explosive year for NFTs. Um, there were many events that took place throughout the year to secure the technology spot in the crypto ecosystem. Some of the more notable highlights could include Beeple's NFT selling for nearly $69 million US um, to celebrities and influencers showing off their bored apes or corporate companies acquiring CryptoPunks. As uh, both Adam and yourself mentioned earlier, KPMG was able to acquire a rare piece from the World of Women collection, which I was personally super excited to be a part of. If we look at the data around NFTs, though, the numbers are really impressive. Total NFT trading volume in 2021 was nearly 13 billion US, with OpenSea being the world's largest NFT marketplace, standing out and facilitating most of these trades, taking the majority of the market share over other marketplaces like Magic Eden or Looks Rare and Nifty Gateway. Now, the average daily spend across all the marketplaces in 2021 has grown to nearly 40 million US dollars in comparison to 180,000 US in 2020. That's a massive 200x growth. The number of active wallets has also increased tremendously. And the unique number of wallets that have ever owned an NFT is currently around 4 million. Bored Ape and CryptoPunks have some of the strongest communities, and they currently demand a price of around 75 ETH, which is you know, roughly 187,000 US or 237,000 Canadian. So it really shows that these communities, these groups that are actually collecting these NFTs are really strong. They stand by each other, and they're in very high demand. By the way, Ken, I quickly wanted to mention some of the examples that you gave demonstrate the power of blockchain-based gaming and a newfound business model known as play-to-earn. Basically, the play-to-earn model is a win-win. It empowers both users and game developers by allowing for ownership and interoperability of assets and the ability to earn in-game rewards. So in essence, Play-to-earn revolutionizes the relationship between game and player because it enables them to earn real value in exchange for their time. Whereas on the other hand, what once used to be opaque and gray market activity from a developer's perspective is now replaced by transparent trade of in-game assets, which enhances their ability to oversee and monetize. Truly a win-win. Thank you for that, Khan. You know, I think our listeners would probably agree that it's safe to say that there have been measurable increases as well in institutional adoption. Kunal, I want to come to you. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just building off of everything that the team has been saying so far, um, you know, we, we first saw corporate brands actually start to pay attention to NFTs towards, I would say, the second half of 20 or second quarter of 2021, um, when one of the one of the fast chain uh, fast food chain restaurants in in the US, um, they were the first company to to launch their own art collection as NFTs, which was around like 25 animated GIFs. Um, I mean, they were not selling for that much, but the initiative 
really quickly spread and, and prompted a whole range of other companies to think about how they should be leveraging this technology to, to get that sort of marketing and, and what strategy they should be using to engage with their customers. Um, overall, I think, and, you know, starting in Q2 of 2021, by the end of 2021, we had uh, around 15 to 16 corporate NFT collection releases. Um, and these were ranging from food and beverage, uh, sporting goods, fashion, consumer retail, social media we had automobile companies uh as well that were that were launching their own collections um out of all of these industries i think the most dominant participant was <laughs> the food and beverage industry um where they were considering just over like half of all of the corporate nft launches throughout 2021 um and close tie was between the fashion and the sporting goods industry for the second place. So, you know, these three industries, I think, were were taking advantage of some of the opportunities that were available to them and, and execute on some of those strategies, um, you know, really quickly. And we we did see among some of the successful NFT launches in, in the FNB industry were, um, you know, the beverage manufacturer that released a collection of just four individual NFTs. Um, and, and those were actually auctioned off for for almost like 228. I think it was around 217 ETH or something. Um, and then we also had another global brewer that uh, that actually collaborated with a with a blockchain game to to release a collection of 50 gaming NFTs uh, where each one was auctioned, you know, between two to twenty-four ETH. Um, again, I'm not going to go into like what the actual US dollar value of it was because it really depended on the value at the time. Um, but we did also see a lot of high-end fashion brands that experimented by by really merging the physical fashion and the digital fashion world. Um, some launched like you know some partnered with a blockchain game some partnered with projects uh by releasing nfts in combination with you know the respective handmade uh sculptures as well um but i think this is you know all of the activity that we saw in 2021 is just a start of of a new trend right like the the digital economy is is real and it's coming sooner than many companies anticipate um but I think, you know, all of the actions that corporates have been taking so far um, is is towards the right direction in understanding what the value of an NFT could be uh, and, and what are the value propositions that it could mean for them and them engaging with their customers. Um, and as, an, as an analogy, like, you know, some of the successful brands uh, when when the in the dot com era, they didn't call it a day after buying just a domain name and, and posting like a static website. Um, they they started asking, okay, so now we have this. What's next? How do we engage our customers more, leveraging this technology out there? Um, and then in terms of you know the marketplaces, uh, these are becoming huge businesses, right? We uh, we saw OpenSea and Rarible. Um, these are the two most recognizable marketplaces for NFTs. Um, you know, it's really started with Rarible, um, with its exclusive launch during like March 2021 as well. But we soon saw that OpenSea, you know, take a major market share for them uh, from them. And then I think it's just, you know, the, the whole trend um, of purchasing NFTs and, 
you know, corporates launching their own collections. It's it's just a trend that's pointing to to a driving motivation behind corporate involvement um, so far. And and I think participants are are kind of tinkering with the NFT market and and trying to see how they fit in, how do they engage with the customers, and they're coming with more and more creative days every every now and then now. Um, so I think just looking at all of the corporations that are that are looking to engage with the NFT space, looking to see how they can interact with Web 3.0 and and you know the metaverse. I think it's it's very very cool for us to be working in a space like that and and working with some of the clients that we have that are thinking about new and, and innovative ways to to engage with their customers because they want to have a presence where their customers are going to be. And if their customers are going to be in the metaverse um, and, and want to buy clothes and shoes for their metaverse avatars, that's where our clients want to be as well. So it's it's a very interesting time uh, to see how institutions continue to evolve their education on, on everything, uh, not only NFT, Web3 and metaverse, but like just the crypto behind it and, and the technology behind it. And it's... It's going to be much more than profile pics. We're we're talking about meta economies, digital economies. So so very cool to to be in the space. And and you know, there's never a dull day. I would say Kunal, you so eloquently and perhaps somewhat rhetorically pose this question, but it's the perfect question to end on for the NFT space, which is what's next, really? I mean, so, so cool. Kareem, Kunal, Ken, and Khan, in addition to being highly alliterative, this has been a truly impressive experience for me to just listen to and just understand some of the biggest stories from the world of crypto in 2021 on a deeper basis. Unfortunately, though, that does bring us to a close for today. But before we go, I wanted to extend my most sincere thank you to each and every one of you for joining us today. I know our listeners are going to love this episode and to our awesome subscribers as well as our listeners thank you so much for tuning in be sure to join us next time on kpmg in canada series on the state of crypto assets bye for now <laughs>